Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. This morning it was nice to, uh, like, came in a little while ago, and my uh, friend Michael here says, we missed you last week, Pastor Jim, or at least I missed you last week, he said. I said, I missed you too, Michael, and uh, I missed all of you, uh, but I don't miss you as much as I miss my wife. <laughs> Sorry, Michael. Um, she has been, uh, or she is in China uh, with uh, Sharon Bowers, and they went there for uh, Grant Alamu's wedding. They've had a wonderful time, and um, they are currently uh, traveling or have traveled to, or anyway, the Shangri-La. Sounds pretty romantic, doesn't it? I don't think in China it's quite that, I think it's kind of more like Everett or something, I don't know. But anyway, it's, uh, no offense to anybody, <laughs> but uh, I mean, size-wise and so on. I would, that, oh boy, I'm going to pay for that one. Anyway, um, so they're taking a road trip in China. Uh, it's the first time Teresa and I have been apart from each other. Actually, we started dating when she was 16 years old. Of course, I was much older at 18. And... Um, and we got married a few years after that. And this is the longest, we've, other than my first semester in college, the longest we've ever been out of the same proximity for more than a week. And so uh, I'll be looking forward to having her back. It'll be three weeks total from my time in Michigan and her time in China. Um, she's on a road trip uh, right now in China. Uh, I think it's tomorrow. So I'm not, I mean, today is tomorrow right now in China. So I was thinking about a road trip. How many of you ever taken a road trip as a child with your family? Yeah, where'd you go, Gary? Bolivia? <laughs> you, went, you didn't drive to Bolivia, right? Where'd you go? Uh, we took a road trip to Peru. Took a road trip to Peru in Bolivia. Yeah, good. Okay, that, that'd be a good one. Uh, road trips. When I was uh, a younger boy, uh, must have been junior high age, uh, it was a few years after my father had died and my aunt lived with us. And uh, so it was my mom, my aunt, my brother and I. My brother was about a year and a half older than me. And uh, we took a road trip to Minneapolis to see relatives. First time we'd ever done anything like that. We used to do camping around the Puget Sound area. But we took a road trip. And my aunt's 1965 Dodge Dart. It was really, a, yeah, it was a nice car. It had a console automatic on the floor. Uh, nice little compact car. And we put a top on it from U-Haul. And uh, off we went to Minneapolis. My brother was just starting, uh, he had a permit. So he was just starting to drive. So that was a little bit interesting uh, because back in those days, you know, the, the speed limit in Montana was prudent and reasonable. <laughs> it's a little up for uh, interpretation. And um, so as we started heading across country, um, somewhere in that nice stretch of highway when you leave Billings, Montana, I believe that's about where 90, 94 sort of split. And uh, we were heading uh, south and you begin seeing these signs in Montana, um, wall drug. <laughs> How many of you have dug wall drug? Oh, okay, all right. You know, a lot of you have been to wall drug, wall South Dakota. Uh, you can't maybe see the one there, but it says wall drug, a national treasure. And the other one, of course, uh, 457 miles. You start seeing these signs like, you know, hundreds of miles before you get a wall drug. This is back in the day when you could have uh, signs along the freeway, you know, billboards and stuff. So you start seeing signs, 201 miles to wall drug. 
And I mean, you know, the anticipation is building, right? If you've never dug wall drug, I mean, the anticipation is building as it's 201 miles, 180 miles, 160 miles, and you keep seeing these signs to wall drug. And then, you know, you start seeing these signs, you know, all these really nice signs on the freeway preparing you for wall drug. And, you know, as a, as a young boy, you know, I was pretty, uh, pretty impressed with this and uh, looking forward to, to seeing uh, wall drug. And um, 25 miles to wall drug. And we've been watching this for a couple of days because we were taking our time, you know, getting there, <laughs> stopping at things. And by this time, you know, as a young, young guy, uh, if, I were, if, this, if I were to flash, flip forward to today, I'm thinking about what wall drug is going to look like. And I'm thinking of something like, you know, like this, you know, you know, Mall of America or something, you know, wall drug. I mean, it's all this advertisement. This is going to be great. And uh, we get closer and closer uh, to, to, you know, to digging, you know, the science. Have you dug wall drug? Yeah, I saw a bumper sticker just this week in, in Greenwood. Have you dug wall drug? Okay. Um, and uh, we get closer and closer, and then pretty soon, you know, Mall of America, here we come. Glad you made it. Wall Drug, straight ahead. We're just about to get to Wall Drug in Wall, South Dakota. And back in the 60s, when this took place, and we pulled up in the Wall Drug, and there we were. <laughs> if you have not been to Wall Drug, um, it hasn't changed a whole lot. We got to Wall Drug. And uh, we spent a half a day or whatever at Wall Drug, <laughs> looking at things or whatever time it took us. And um, needless to say, uh, you know, no offense or anything to anybody from Wall, South Dakota. Anybody here from Wall, South Dakota? <laughs> anybody? I already offended people from Everett. I don't want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, my anticipation was not quite what I anticipated. But it was fun. We had a good time. It was fun. And, uh, um, in fact... When we went back and now about, about 30 years ago, I took my family. When my kids were, my girls were teenagers, Jimmy, Jim was, you know, in grade school. We took a trip to Minneapolis, going to a, a pastor's um, national conference. So we kind of took the same route. And guess what? You know, you can't go by and not stop at Wall Drug. So we stopped at Wall Drug. And, and things have really improved at Wall Drug. It's much nicer now. You know, they uh, really upscaled it, <laughs> the Wall Drug there. <laughs> Wall drug. But you know, um, it was fun. We went to Wall Drug. We went to, you know, Mount Rushmore. We went to Virginia City. We went to all sorts of tourist type things. Um, when we took the trip in 93, of course, we went to Mall of America. Um, but what matters most? What really matters? What, what most matters about that trip? It, it wasn't wall drug or not wall drug. It wasn't Mall of America or not Mall of America. It wasn't Mount Rushmore. That was beautiful and it was great. What really mattered most about that trip was it was my family. And we went as a family. And when I think back on that trip, I think of the big picture of this trip we took. I always remembered it. We took picture with our Polaroid camera and put them in a thing. Um, it was a real highlight of my life as a young person. It was the only time we ever did that. That's what really mattered. I was with my family. It was a family trip. And then I could start thinking about the things along the way that we saw and maybe some of the things that we didn't see. What really mattered the most 
was that relationship and that time together with my family. Um, I wouldn't plan a trip today specifically to travel to Waldrug, okay? But if I was going through that area, you know what? I would, for old times' sake, probably stop at Waldrug. I wouldn't stay quite as long, but I would probably stop at Waldrug. What matters the most? I'd like to ask you to open your Bibles to Galatians. We're actually going to finish Galatians today. And so we're in Galatians chapter 6, and uh, we're going to just, we just have a few verses, but we're going to finish Galatians this morning. And um, we're going to really just be at verse 15. But let's have a word of prayer as we open God's Word. Father, as we open your Word, we pray that your Word would be heard today and our hearts would be tuned to you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege and freedom we have to come. We know we have brothers and sisters around the world today uh, who meet in great danger around your word. And uh, we just thank you that we can come and open it and share it and talk about it. And, uh, and we just thank you for that privilege. And we ask that we would listen to your word now. In Christ's name, amen. In Galatians chapter 6, as we come toward the conclusion of, of this epistle, and last, uh, two weeks ago, we uh, looked at verse 14. May I never boast except, and we sang about this today, uh, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. In today's passage, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule even to the Israel of God. Finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. So as we look at verse 15, or do you look at verse 15, 16, 17, and we'll just wrap up as a conclusion with 18, what really matters, obviously, in this verse here, what really matters? You know, Paul has been speaking to this church these churches in the area of Galatia, modern-day Turkey. And we have, saw, we have seen how Paul uh, had to address with them uh, this whole issue of uh, people that had, had come from Jerusalem trying to impose upon them legalism. In the words, you know, that kind of stand for this, or the circumcision, uncircumcision issue. But it could also include purity laws of food, cleanliness, and as we've talked about, and I don't want to you know, go over it every week, but just it is part of the big picture to remind you, the issue is you had people who came to Christ through simple, just like you did, through simple faith in Jesus Christ, blood sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, his resurrection from the dead as we come close to Good Friday and Easter here in a few weeks and celebrate together. Incidentally, Good Friday, our choir is going to be presenting a musical ministry that night, and I really encourage you to come at 7.30. It'll be a one-hour service. We'll also have communion. And then, of course, join us for Easter Sunday morning. The story of the cross, that was the basis, as it is for you, of their salvation, the blood atonement of Jesus Christ for your sins. But as they came to Christ, there were those who came alongside and said, yes, but you know you also have to do this. You have to do what we do. And it became a legalistic thing that if you really wanted to be a first class and a genuine believer, you had to do what we do. And so Paul takes this to task, and he explains in this epistle why this is not true. And we come to the end of it, in verse 15, Paul wraps it up by saying, none of these things mean anything. 
What really matters, what really matters is simply this. What counts is a new creation. That's what matters. That's all that matters. He doesn't say the circumcision, uncircumcision, the food laws, the purity, the different traditions and habits and so on, that they're not important or that, that people can't do them. He never, in fact, when Paul goes down to Jerusalem, you read it in Acts 20, in 20, 21, in that area of Acts, you'll find that Paul goes to Jerusalem, and even while he's been teaching this in Galatia, he goes into the temple and offers a sacrifice. And he does this because they said to him, they said, Paul, there are so many here who, who, are, who are zealous of keeping the Mosaic law. They're Christians, but they keep the law still. And they have heard that, that you're telling people not to do this. And we want you to help bring some peace and, and, to, and, 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 to, and, and to bring this situation to, hang, to help us work together and bring some you. Paul says, sure, I'll go do that. And he goes in the temple and he does it. He had no problem with that. Now, if they would have said, Paul, you have to do this, or you have to bring these Gentile converts, and they have to do this, he would have said, no, they don't have to do that. It, it, this, it's not that, and you know, we think of the, the, the Christian landscape today, and we have, you know, whatever, we have different backgrounds represented here, and maybe you're visiting today with us, and welcome, we're glad you're with us today. And, and there are different backgrounds. As, as we meet today, there are churches here in our own community that practice communion different than we do it. Do it different times, do it different ways. There are people who sing different songs. There are people who meet in a different setting. There are, there are different beliefs on, on all sorts of these sort of issues that are not necessarily essential. We've been talking about this in our membership class in the, in, during Sunday school. Important issues, but, but we, can dis, we can have some differences of opinion. And it's when we begin to get legalistic and say, you have to dress like me, I have to dress like you. I have to sing what you sing, you have to sing what I sing. You have to uh, serve communion the way we serve communion. You have to be uh, immersed in water the way we immerse in water. You have to do this and that, that, that we, we say, wait a minute. The, you know, what matters? Let's back off, let's back up. Let's back up and, and what really matters, first of all, is a new creation. A new creation. If you took a road trip and I said, listen, you have to stop at Wall Drug. You, you have to go to Mount Rushmore. If you don't go to Mount Rushmore, you are not a good citizen. You have to go to Virginia City. And you have to go shop at the Mall of America or you're not a good uh, American. You know, um, If you want to, that's fine. If you don't want to, that's fine. What matters is enjoy your time with your family. That's what's essential. Paul says, what matters is a new creation. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? A new creation. Can you help but think of Genesis 1? In the beginning, God what? Created the heavens and the earth. God created. And we, of course, as, as Christians, believe firmly in the fact that that God created. God created. God created Adam and Eve. God created. God created. We are a new creation. And the passage that, that comes to mind is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'd like you to turn there, just back in your Bible. Just go back a few pages to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. One of the epistles that is sort of um, in the same time frame as Galatians and Paul's ministry. 
But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, there's, there's a verse 17, which I know as a young person I remember, I memorized, and I know probably a lot of you did. But let's look at verse 16. Paul says, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly or earthly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. He, he certainly did. We do so no longer. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And Paul goes on to say, we, we are ambassadors and we, we, we beg with you, be reconciled to God. But this is such a wonderful verse. If any person is in Christ Jesus, you are a new creation. You are not a recreation. You are a new creation. You know, when I was a young person, I remember being at camp, uh, Camp Gilead, where I was saved. And I remember sitting in uh, chapel service. And I remember uh, flannel graph lessons. You know, with the, the flannel graph uh, that went up on the board and so on. And I remember a lesson that I so distinctly remember, because it made an impact on me, of the pig. Um, the pig, and I don't know if this is true or not. I, you know, someone correct me. or you, someone, But that no matter how much you clean up a pig, it always goes back to the mud. Poor pigs. They get, I don't know if that's true or not. But I remember this picture, this picture that you can clean up the pig, but it always goes back and wants to go in the mud. Um, I suppose if the pig lived in Wall, South Dakota, where it's 100 degrees in the summertime, maybe the mud's cool. Maybe that's it. I don't know, you know. Um, but I remember that sort of being taught that this is kind of what we are. We're, we're, we have an old nature, and we have a new nature, and that our old nature always wants to go back to the mud. Now, Paul does talk about the contest between the flesh and the spirit. But I want us to be careful that we don't come away from this teaching of, of the flesh and the spirit that I'm sort of split 50 50. I'm kind of 50 old and 50 new. I am 100% new. Paul says, when I received Christ in third grade at Camp Gilead and I received that message of salvation and asked Jesus to be my Savior, I became a new creation. Brand new. Yes, this new creation is still housed in the flesh, and I understand that, and we all understand that. And, and, and we do deal with the sinful world and our sinful flesh, but I am a new creation. And God looks at me in Jesus Christ and sees me as a new creation. And what Paul has been trying to get across in Galatians to these people that have been fighting and arguing and dividing over these, these externals and this legalism, and you have to do this and you have to do that, as Paul comes to the conclusion of this epistle, he says, listen, I want to remind you that these things are not really what matters. What really matters is a new creation. And if you're here today and you've received Christ as your Savior, I just want you to be reminded today, you are a new creation. The Holy Spirit has made something new. You are not just a recreation. You are a new creation in Jesus Christ because of the cross at Calvary. And that is why it is so important. And one of the authors I, this last week I, I was looking at, Timothy George, he said this, 
ultimately this recreate, this new creation, not recreate, new creation involves the whole process of conversion. Regeneration leading to repentance and faith and the daily process of, of putting to death. Growth, growth and, 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 and conformity to the image of Christ. Yes, we are growing, we are changing. I'm a new creation in the process, but I am saved and I am forgiven and I am in Jesus Christ. This is what really matters. And I want you to remember that as we come to the end of Galatians, this is what matters. We are a new creation. Paul goes on then in verse 16 as he's wrapping up this epistle. And he does make a rather interesting statement here. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule. And I also want you to remember as we've talked before about this epistle, that these things that often, you know, in our individualistic society, we're, we're so focused on the individual that when Paul says, you're a new creation, I automatically think of me, and I think of you individually. And that is true. But also the result is it that we are a new creation. We, the church, the body of Christ, we are a new creation. The local church, this assembly, we are a new creation together. There should be something different about us because we are now new in Jesus Christ. And it's interesting that Paul says here, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule. What rule? This rule that what counts is a new creation. And we must be careful about imposing our opinions on things. I mean, I have things that I like. You have things that you like. And I would like you to enjoy the things I like and vice versa. But I'm not going to impose them on you and you can't impose them on me. What counts is a new creation. And to all who follow this guide, Paul says, peace and mercy upon you. Peace and mercy. And as we as a, as a family of God, as we practice this principle, God will bring peace within our midst. But he does make an interesting statement here. Verse 16 is a really kind of unusual statement, even to the Israel of God. And I, I just want to briefly comment. We could do a lot, of, a lot of talking about that because this has led, this one phrase here has led to a lot of thought of, well, are we the new Israel of God in the sense that we have replaced Israel and the things that were promised to Israel have now been promised to us? Israel was promised the land. They were promised blessing. They were, they were promised, you know, all sorts of things. Are we the new Israel of God? Is that what he's saying here? And I just want to suggest to you, uh, again, Timothy George in his commentary, I thought put it really well, that the NIV sort of kind of assumes this when it says, even to the Israel of God. But in the, in the, in the Greek translation, the Greek Bible, the word chi is really the most natural is and or also. And what I think Paul is saying here is, listen, those of you in Galatia who've been fighting about this and saying, if, if you really, you know, if you really want to be a Christian, you have to come through the Mosaic law along with Christ. And Paul has explained why this isn't true. And as he comes to the end here and he says, listen, to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God, I think personally what Paul is talking about here is ethnic Jews, Israeli Jewish people who are Christians that Paul is saying, listen, even to those Jews like myself who have become Christians, we are part of this new family of God as well. Because he has not brought this up before. And certainly in Romans 9 through 11, he would have brought this up. 
when he talks about the remnant of Israel, when Paul says, has God forgotten his people? Has God forsaken his people Israel? And Paul says, no, look at me. I'm, I'm a Jew. I am part of this remnant, this faithful remnant that God always has in every, in every time from the time he is called, from the time when he called uh, Moses with the Ten Commandments and gave the law, he has had a faithful remnant. And even in this age of the church, the body of Christ, there is a faithful remnant of Jews. And Paul says, he clearly in Romans 9 through 11 says that. If he, were, if he were trying to say that the church is now Israel, he certainly would have said that in Romans 9 through 11. No, what Paul is saying here is, listen, my fellow Jews, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule and also especially upon us, us Jews who are part of this new people, this body of Christ, the family of God. I think that's what Paul has in mind here. And as we come to verse 17, you know, verse 17, when we think of Paul's ministry and Paul's life, look what he says here. Finally, finally, he's, he's coming to the end of the epistle. You know, my, my friend Wilson Fossey used to remind me, when a pastor says finally, what does it mean? Yeah, you got it. Nothing. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> finally, finally, but this is the final Paul says this, let no one cause me any more trouble. They have been hammering on Paul for his message, his message that Jew and Gentile are equal members of the body of Christ, that there's no such thing as legalism. There are no, there are no additions to the, to the message of the grace of God. Paul says, finally, don't let them cause me trouble. Listen, I bear on my body the marks of, of Jesus. And the word that's used here for marks is stigmata, which obviously we get what? Stigma from. I bear in my body the stigma of Jesus Christ. It was also used of the word for branding when you would brand an animal. But I bear, I'm branded. But I think what Paul is talking about here is clearly his own physical branding, if you will, of being an ambassador and apostle for Jesus Christ and what it cost him. You go back to 2 Corinthians where you were a moment ago, and you'll see this. And this, and this I want to remind you, this is, this is pretty early in Paul's ministry compared to his prison epistles. But in 2 Corinthians, and I just, I just want to remind us of this, that there is such thing as suffering for the gospel. You know, we do all we can to avoid it, and it's just our natural, I mean, I'm not looking for trouble. I'm not looking for suffering. We do all we can to avoid it. But, but, but Paul says, those who live, desire to live a godly life will suffer persecution. There are going to be times where you are going to be rejected, you're going to be made fun of, you might suffer loss of, of, of business. If you're trying to follow what Christ wants you to do, it may, it may have all sorts of costs to it. All sorts of costs. Maybe even your own family. But look what Paul says about his life here. In verse 7 of chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, in chapter 5 is where we read that passage about new creation. Paul says this, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side. We, the apostles, those working with Paul. This is early in Paul's ministry. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. 
We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Then you go over to chapter 6. We looked at chapter 5, and you go over to chapter 6, and you'll find where Paul, where Paul speaks here as well in, in chapter 6 as, as God's fellow workers, he begins. And he talks about their, their ministry and, and what, they have, what they've done. But he, look at verse, we'll jump in in verse, in verse 7. In truthful speech and the power of God with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. Earlier in this passage, verse 4, he says, we, we commend ourselves in every way in great endurance and troubles, hardships, distress, beatings, imprisonments, riot, hard work, sleepless nights, hunger. The Apostle Paul, I, I wonder about this sometimes. What would it be like? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm a pastor. You know, we have pastors in our church here. We're all we're pastors. We get up every day and, and, and I get up and, and uh, you know, have breakfast and come to church. And I don't, I don't get up in the morning and think about, I wonder who's going to beat me today. I wonder what jail I'm going to spend the, the night in tonight. I wonder what possible torture I could go through. I don't, think, I don't think about that. Now, there are believers around the world today who do. But I, want, I often think about this as, as the Apostle Paul and the other apostles. We know that the, for as far as we know, they were all, they were all martyred for Christ. And and to think about what, what they went through every day. Every day, Paul woke up with this experience possibly in front of him. Why? Because he was faithfully doing what God asked him to do. That's the only reason. Back when he was called, Ananias said, I must show him all things he must suffer for Jesus Christ. We want to talk about success. We want to talk about things that work. And Paul was told, I'm going to, all things you must suffer for me. That's what mattered, the suffering. And every day, Paul could be beaten down. Paul was stoned and left for dead in a city right here in Galatia. The people who, who read this, this, this letter where Paul says, listen, quit, quit lay off. I bear in my body the, the stigma, the marks, the brand of Jesus Christ. Some of those people may have been there in Lystra when he was stoned and left for dead. And I think Paul actually bore, his face could have been disfigured. I mean, that's, that's pretty serious. And, and Paul was whipped multiple times. He was beaten. And yet Paul says, as he tells us in his epistles, I count all this stuff as, as nothing for the sake of what? Knowing Christ Jesus and him crucified. That I might do my part in the suffering for Jesus Christ. As we come to the end of this epistle, I just want to remind you, as you read these epistles, that these come from men who knew what it was like to pay a cost for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it should be a reminder to us what really matters. What really matters in your life? What matters the most? It should be that we are a new creation and that God has given us the privilege 
to serve him, maybe even to suffer for him, to love others, to sacrifice. You know, two days ago, two days ago, I don't know how many of you, if you read the papers and so on, but I was reading uh, one of the papers, I can't remember which one it was, and um, this man, uh, Jerry Denton, uh, died. Some of you might remember Jerry Denton. Jeremiah was his real name. Uh, he was an admiral, retired admiral. He was also a senator from Alabama. But if you think back, what you might remember is he was one of the prisoners of war who was uh, shot down in, in Vietnam, uh, flying an intruder airplane from an aircraft carrier. And he spent, I think it was eight years, in the Hanoi Hilton and, uh, and some other, the one they called Alcatraz. And um, he was tortured regularly. He was tortured regularly. And there's a very famous uh, interview with him where um, his captors prepped him for this interview that they were going to broadcast on Japanese TV for, for uh, propaganda purposes. And they prepped him as to what he had to say. And of course, when it came time for him to say it, he wouldn't say it. He basically said, you know, I, I, I support my country, you know, I, I serve my country. And but while he was saying it, you can, actually, you can see this on YouTube and so on, it's really easy to find. Um, he's sitting there like this, and while he's talking, I don't know if you remember this or not, he's blinking. His, his eyes keep going like this. And they realized afterward, he was using Morse code. And he was, he was blinking, T-O-R, T-U-R-E, torture. And, and uh, some, someone in the American military picked this up. And of course, when that came out, he even suffered more every day. He was beaten. He was tortured. He was, some of the things he went through, he was put in a cell. He and some other guys that were the, they were put in cells by three, three by nine cells with no windows and for 23 hours and so many minutes a day for like two or three years. And I wonder about that. And you know, it, it, how could I ever enter into that experience? You know, I, I, I can't. But I can still wonder about it. And if I were in that experience where absolutely everything is taken away from you and, and you end up in a situation where your life is completely controlled by others, what would be most important? What would you hang on to? What would you have? He died just uh, two days ago. And it was interesting in reading some of the things about him one of the things that they said was because he was a because he was a high up commander and he was a leader in the you know and you probably know stories of how the prisoners managed to tap on walls and send messages and all this kind of thing and somehow get around you know their captors to communicate and one of the things that they tapped the message they sent uh, to each other which they said actually became so important to them. Uh, was the was the letters GBU, uh, GBU, and what it was? It was simply the the code for God bless you. God bless you. And you know, in a situation like that, uh, that phrase became very meaningful to them. You know, we can 
throw that around. We can put it at the end of speeches. Politicians can use it. Other people can use it. You know, God bless you. God bless. God bless America and so forth. And that's fine. But in that situation, it meant something so much more. It was an affirmation to one another of their solidarity, their camaraderie, and their, and their persistence and desire to survive. And that simple message to one another that, that meant so much, God bless you. God bless you. As we come to the end of this epistle, you know, we see what we expect Paul to write. And we see this at the end of all of his epistles, things like this, verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. You can read something like that all the time in Paul's letters, and you can kind of just go across it as a formality, but I just, I just want you to, to take that home with you today. What does this mean to us? God's grace. What does it mean to you? Of all, of all the things in your life and all the challenges and everything that, that we're going through and so on, what does it mean to you that God loves you? That God has made you a new creation? That God has given you the privilege of serving Him that God has given you the wonderful privilege of saying to a brother or sister, God bless you. I love you. I've been there too. Anything you're going through, somebody else has been through. God bless you. Grace, peace, the love of our Lord Jesus Christ, mercy on all who follow this rule, grace to you, our Lord Jesus Christ, be with your spirit, brothers. So be it. Amen. God bless you. When uh, Jerry Denton came home, and uh, some of you may remember, he was the first one off the airplane of that group that came home and that group of prisoners. And uh, he said, uh, we are, and he said simply this, we've, we are honored to have had the opportunity to serve our country under difficult circumstances. We are proudly grateful to remember our Commander-in-Chief and to our nation for this day. God bless America. And I happened to read that at the same time I was reading about Paul. And this is what he said there. We counted it an honor to have suffered for our country. And I think of the Apostle Paul. I bear my body the barks of our Lord Jesus Christ, and it has been such a privilege to suffer for our Lord Jesus Christ. How much the Apostle Paul had grown to know of the love of God. And it's my prayer for us as a church family, for me as your pastor, for you as my friends, that we would continue to grow each day in understanding how much God loves us and what he has done for us and what a privilege it is to be his ambassadors and to share the love of Jesus Christ. What really matters to you the most? That's my prayer. Let's close our service. Faith, come on up. We're going to sing our last song. Appreciate the worship leading.
going to lift our voices as we sing and worship together. And I, I encourage you as we sing together to think about the words, to think about them in your heart, and to sing to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit, as we close this service. Thank you for coming and joining us for worship today. And as we leave, uh, those of you that, that come every week, be patient with me. Um, but there may be someone here today who does not know Christ as Savior. And I just don't want anybody to ever leave this building without knowing how much God loves you. The cross up there is a reminder to us that Jesus died and suffered God's payment for my sin and for your sin because we are all sinners. And he was perfect and holy. He died for you. Talk about suffering. Talk about persecution. He died on the cross and suffered God's punishment for my sin because he loves you. And he asks of you, would you receive his payment for your sin? And would you receive eternal life and forgiveness for sins? And you could walk out that door back there today as a new creation in Jesus Christ. I ask you, why wouldn't you receive such love and God's forgiveness for your sins? And Heavenly Father, I just pray if there be a person today who honestly has never accepted your love gift of Christ dying on the cross, that, Lord, they would right now in this quiet moment not do anything for me or this church or for anyone else, but say yes to you. Now, I'm just going to give you a quiet moment, friend, where you can say yes to God and you can acknowledge before him your need for salvation and accept Jesus Christ's payment for your sin. You just tell God that. There's no formality. There's no special words you have to use. You just tell God, I wish to receive Christ as my Savior, and I receive his payment for my sins. Lord, we thank you. We love you, and we go forth rejoicing that we can walk with you this week and we can serve you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.